Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin. I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick for an exciting off-season podcast. We love them. We love when there's no sports going on and we talk about sort of some made-up storylines we've created. So what better time to do it than late June? Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. They're all available to play right from your phone. So head to BetOnline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to head to BetOnline.ag and sign up today and get in on the action. When you use promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up and place your first deposit, They'll give you a 50% welcome bonus to say thank you for signing up with Bet Online. You put in $100, they'll give you $50 free to use to start your betting. That's promo code BLEAV, believe, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Hey, today is not a made up storyline day. Today, that's true. That's coming up later on in the, uh, in, in the, more, that's a more of a ju- late July type of thing. We have a podcast coming up, three bold predictions for Sunbelt, uh, much like what we did for Jamie football, but that's when we make up storylines. Today, we're breaking down the transfer edition so far, and we're not making anything up with those guys. That's true. They're all real people. They've come through the portal. For what we know. For what we know. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, they've added some good talent in the portal this year. Yeah, so Bennett's been doing a really good job over on jmusportsnews.com. Um, I think you have a men's basketball, a women's basketball, and a football transfer portal tracker. Say that 10 times fast. But with the transfer portal trackers, you've just been kind of, as the name implies, keeping track of everyone that has come to JMU through the portal, but also that has left JMU through the portal. Yeah, some of this is like me trying to do a nice job with our site. And another like 80% of it is it's really hard to remember all the transfers during the process. So I also made like a high school recruits one because it's hard to find a list, like even 24 seven sports um, and like rivals, they don't fully have the correct list for JMU and a lot of group of fives. Like I think JMU has like eight to 10 high school recruits and 24 seven sports says they have like three. Yeah. So it's just like, you're missing seven guys. So you remember that like, oh, the DNR tweeted about it or talked to the recruit, but then it's like, wait, who was that guy that they just added? Who's that transfer? I forget them all. So when you have a nice little handy list like this, it's easy to remember for the most part, which makes it uh, makes it easier for me to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually using it more so for the people who have left. 
Yeah, there's some. I like. I'm sure I've missed some in the who've left, but but it's, half it's, uh, of these guys, I'm just like, oh wow, I didn't. Wow, like Xavier Cockley left. Uh, Maxwell James, your guy, Maxwell James left. And that was a bummer for me. Yeah, gone. I like was Coakley the uh, Michigan State transfer? No, Coakley was a uh, like a Jamie recruit. Okay, okay. I think the uh, I want to say Booth Antoine Booth was the. Uh, yes, that's right. Yes, he's so, still here. Do you want to go through, do you kind of want to just list out everyone that has come, kind of read off what the transfer portal tracker is, and then we can break down some sure. impact guys. We can break down some interesting ones that we think. Um, but I think kind of headlining it all is Jordan McLeod coming into yeah. JMU from Arizona, uh, had a stint at South Florida to begin his collegiate career. And Brett Griffiths, the transfer from Wake Forest, comes in with four years of eligibility. Yeah, so a couple couple nice little quarterback ads, and they they went pretty heavy offensively. So they added uh, Tyson Lawton or Tyson Lawton. I don't know exactly how it's if it's like a real big space there between the tie and the sun. Uh, but the Stony Brook running back, really really good player, is one of the best C running backs during his career there. One year left, played well in the spring game. Kind of figures to be in the mix. I think it's they've got a lot of like mouths to feed in the running back room, yeah. but I think Lawton will get his his fair share. So I'm excited about that one and a uh, crazy heavy wide receiver. Yeah. You got Phoenix Sproles from North Dakota state comes in with another, with one more year of eligibility. This is going to be his sixth year in college. Omarion Dolison. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, but a transfer wide receiver from South Florida, Elijah Surratt, um, Josh Surratt, cheese Surratt, I guess some people call him cheese Surratt. Yeah. His brother, um, coming in from St. Francis, Taji Hudson coming in from ECU has three years of eligibility. He only got one pass uh, during his time at ECU, but that's a lot of wide receivers, but it makes sense because the wide receiver room right. outside of Reggie Brown really wasn't a lot, but it also is interesting that Maxwell James decided to leave because it seemed like if he had stayed, he would have been at least in the running for like a, the third or second wide receiver role. Yeah, I thought he was working his way up, but it sounds like they also, during the spring, they have liked Troy Lewis, who transferred him from ECU last spring. Okay. And I, I don't know if he actually got much run, but he's a, another guy who's a transfer with a bunch of years left that could be an interesting one. So they've, they've now got two East Carolina wide receiver transfers. So Mike Houston, thanks for the early development for those guys, <laughs> and hopefully they can, uh, they can blossom nicely. Yeah, and then... More pass-catching threats, all of those wide receivers. They also added a few tight ends, two of them, Taylor Thompson coming in from Charlotte, and Kai Wright, a tight end from Pitt, who has two years of eligibility as well. Yeah, I'm excited about those. I think those are solid ones. And they did add one offensive lineman, Aaron Gunn, from Louisville, three years left. DNR spoke with him. I think he, he sort of was impressed a little bit by what, JMU looked like when the Dukes came to Louisville and hung around for a half before kind of getting <laughs> run out there. He was he seemed like he was kind of um, out of the mix in at Louisville, where they had actually brought in a ton of really good transfers this off season. They're getting to the point where they look like they're they're pretty legit. And when, last year when JMU played them, they were like a top twenty five caliber team, certainly playing yeah. like that. So it's it's a tough one to break into. He's a good depth piece. I don't know if he'll get run this year, given the experience coming back in the offensive line, but. Never hurts to add uh, an extra body. Yeah, with three years of eligibility left too, you you gotta think he might 
be vying for you know his final two years or his final one year because this line will graduate out pretty right. pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's going to change a bunch, and I think they return a lot in the trenches, which is why they didn't do a ton, but they did add. Uh, Emmanuel Bush, who I've got in my tracker at six one two ninety, the roster's got him at three oh nine now. So he's a, I think he's he's a Marshall transfer. I do know that. I don't think he's a Marshall transfer. I know he's a Marshall. Transfer. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say but that's that's. I I do think that he's probably more of like a run stuffer, um, and they can they've got guys who can like go edge or in the middle. So I think he might be one of those guys that plays a lot on. On early downs, we'll see what he does in terms of sacks, but he seems like somebody who, at the very least, can clog the middle defensively and help stop the run, which with uh, Jamari Edwards leaving is certainly a helpful addition. Yeah, and then secondary-wise, they added Travell Mullen from Indiana. I believe he was a four-star recruit. Brother has NFL experience. He is kind of expected to contribute heavily in the secondary and then Ryan Hansen, I think this is the transfer you have been most excited for. Um, I think he's an all Sun Belt punter coming Hell in from yeah. Arkansas State. He has two years of eligibility. He is slotted to be the uh, the starting kicker week one. Yeah, he was a, a sneaky good ad. I feel like you got a guy who's played in the Sun Belt and was like an all conference caliber player. You just add him in for a special teams unit that was kind of underwhelming last year. So I think it's a Sneaky big addition. No one's going to be excited to see Ryan Hansen jog onto the field because uh, it means the Dukes <laughs> are punting. But I think he's a nice addition and can help them, especially if the defense can sort of live up to some of its hype, stop the run. If you can win the field position battle and limit turnovers, they should be in a, a good position to win, you know, seven, eight games or so. Yeah. So that's a lot of names. Let's kind of, of break it down between the guys who we expect to make an impact right away. Um, and then some guys that could potentially have good years, have really solid 2023 campaigns. But it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they're used. So starting things off with our impact transfers, I got Jordan McLeod. I, I don't think there's too much more to say about that. I talked about him at length last week. But if he can come in, make the types of improvements that we've seen quarterbacks have under Kurt Signetti, uh, he should be really really good and with two years of eligibility left that is kind of a scary thought because if he improves by 14 percent, which i think is what we've what i did mathematically kind of the average growth year over year for a signetti quarterback if he grows 14 percent, then 14 percent, he is a good good quarterback yeah he's he's a great pick as that's an impact guy i think a lot of the offensive players have a chance to be super impactful. I kind of like Lawton, the running back from Stony Brook. I think he's he's one that stands out to me because it seems like he contributed well in the spring. It seemed like he was big time at Stony Brook. So if he's healthy, it feels like he's going to have a good chance. And I, I think, to me, it would make a lot of sense if Kalon Black and Lawton are sort of the two guys that are your most dynamic running backs. And then Palmer, they use as that power back, Van Horse limited carries, limited receiving touches, but explosive. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I, I think last year with Percy and Kalon, they had that power and speed. And I think having that with, with Lawton and black this year makes a lot of sense where Palmer can be the power guy, but doesn't necessarily have to be 25 carries. Cause he's not able to break away for long runs at the same level that like Percy and Kalon black did last year. 
Yeah, I'd be shocked if Van Horst really gets any meaningful reps as a running back. I think he'll be primarily a kick and punt returner type of guy this season. I hope he gets more special. like jet sweep slot stuff. I've been We've saying been saying that for, that for so four long. years now, and uh, he hasn't. So I do not expect Solomon Van Horst to really be that much of a, uh, a factor in the offensive game plan. I think special teams-wise, he'll be really good. But I'm interested in Lawton, too. I put him underneath my interesting transfers part. You mentioned yeah. it. He had really, really good numbers during his time at Stony Brook. 2021, he was all CAA first team. He led the league in rush yards with 1,008 yards. He had over 2,000 rush yards in his career at Stony Brook. He had over 20 touchdowns uh, in 27 career games with the Seawolves. He actually was named by Hero Sports, one of the top FCS to FBS transfers. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean – in the FCS world, he's very, very good, and he is kind of slated to be good for the Dukes this year. It just kind of gives me flashbacks to Lorenzo Bryant Jr., uh, this kind of guy coming in his last year of eligibility, and this doesn't make a huge impact. Um, That's disrespectful to our guy, Lawton. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I hope he does really well, but, I mean, I think Palmer and Black are kind of that power and speed type of thing you were talking about. I'll be really interested to see how Lawton figures in. Is it that three-headed running back room? Maybe, but could it also be a two-headed running back room? Maybe. That's why I put him under interesting. He has the potential to be really good, but me personally, I just don't know how much they're going to run with him. I think he's going to get some good run, but I feel that. The other reason I think he's, for me, goes, I guess, above just interesting is I feel like they've had a lot of, like, and, and this is kind of just the nature of the position, like nagging running back injuries. Yeah. Where like Percy seemed to get banged up. Kalon Black last year was banged up a decent amount when he was like unhealthy. It was impactful. So I think for that reason, they're going to split it a ton. So I do think he's going to have a chance to to do it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll complain about that, right? I'll say that he's going to make a big impact because they're going to give like four guys carries. And then during the season, I'm going to complain about why they're not giving Kalon Black 25 carries. Yeah, and so. 100%. And, and Lawton <laughs> is going to have like seven carries a game, but five of them are going to be like 10-plus yard runs. And you're going to be like, why is he not getting more? Right, he's, he's getting 25 carries. And then there's going to be a game where he gets like 20, and he's averaging like two yards per carry. And you're going to be like, why are we giving him the ball so much? That's what we've yeah, done with Palmer. We've done that with Palmer on multiple occasions. We go back and forth on Palmer a lot. So he's <laughs> he's sort of the one that's that's in between. Because I'll be like, ah, I just I don't know why. And then sometimes they'll give him a workhorse game. He's tremendous. And I'm like, well, that's why. Or then he gets five carries with three fumbles. And you're like, why? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, another impact guy to keep an eye on. I, I like Phoenix Sproles. Yeah, that's a good pick. He might be more interesting as I wrote it out a little bit, but Phoenix Sproles is a sixth-year senior. Um, some weird things happened during the end of his North Dakota State time. He played – last year was his fifth year. He only played three games, I believe, and during their bye week in October, he left the team. Um, fun fact, he was one of the most followed athletes for all of North Dakota State athletics in terms of social media and was one of the first athletes for the Bison to get an NIL deal. Um, mm. That's not no impact on the field at all. But when he was on, he was really good. 2019, he had 33 catches, 541 yards with two touchdowns. Not necessarily anything that jumps off the page. He was more of that two receiver. Also, North Dakota State runs the ball a lot, as we all know, Hunter Lipke. Um, but 
I think Sproles should be able to compete for that two or three role and be a really, really solid contributor for the Dukes, maybe out of that slot position. Um, but I, I think as a six-year guy, he brings much-needed veteran leadership to the locker room, to a wide receiver room that is very, very inexperienced. Yeah, I love him. I feel like he's going to make an impact kind of immediately. He also can I, run well, the ball. Like, you can put yeah. him on jet sweep. Like, he's he's versatile. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't want him taking Van Horse's jet sweeps, but I, <laughs> I do understand that now there's a sort of a jet sweep by committee approach that they could employ with Sproles. He's just a dynamic player who can do a bunch of things. He's consistent. It seems like he's going to make catches. They sort of need just a reliable guy who can make catches. So I like him a lot. And then kind of in that same realm, I think Taylor Thompson's going to going to be a, a solid name and sort of a really interesting name, but one that I think just because they don't have that experience, at least a ton of experience at receiver, they're working in some new guys. Zach Horton's a pretty good receiver, but also a good blocker. Thompson's like more clearly a receiving threat. Played well in the spring game, which I've I've overvalued before. I'll continue to overvalue. <laughs> but he seems like someone who makes a bunch of can make a bunch of catches and can get open and was pretty talented at Charlotte. I like that they obviously don't use tight ends a ton in the past game, but they used it a little more last year. And I think he's one that you'll notice his presence regularly because he's going to be, in my opinion, one of the top like two tight ends. I put him underneath interesting. Yeah, I I agree everything you said. He was a three star recruit coming out of high school. One of the he was the thirty sixth best tight end coming out of high school. Uh, was offered by Maryland. Ended up going to Charlotte. Everything. He he's a talented kid. Six three, um, two twenty. Listed on Charlotte's uh, website for last year's roster. That size does worry me for a Signetti tight end. They run a They've lot. Got of him up to up to two thirty two on the JMU roster. So even at two thirty two. He w- if he leads all tight ends in receiving yards, he would be the smallest tight end to do so. So mm-hmm. since Signetti has taken over, uh, who led in 2019? Dylan Stapleton led the team in or led the tight ends in receptions with 35. He was 6'5", 242. Clayton Cheatham led the team, led the tight ends. Excuse me, I'm going to keep messing that up led the tight ends in receptions in 2020 and 2021 with 12 and eight receptions, respectively. He was listed at 6'2", 234, and Drew Painter led all tight ends last year in receptions with 19. He was 6'3", 247. I think Taylor Thompson won't be used as a tight end. I think he's going to be kind of used as a split out close to the line, but he won't be lining up in a three technique down and kind of coming out of that stance. I think he'll be more lined up like a wide receiver. Um, a name to keep an eye on too. That's also interesting is the other tight end recruit transfer Kai Wright from Pitt. He's six, three, two That's going to be a tight end that they bring in because Zach Horton's kind of that receiving guy. So if they have Horton, Wright and Thompson, I don't see them running out with, you know, 13 personnel to 23 personnel. Um, I see them kind of maybe doing a 21 with Thompson split out a little bit, maybe a little bit of 12 personnel, um, so one running back, two tight ends, 22 personnel would be two running backs, two tight ends, or, or probably more so 12 personnel where they're running out with Wright Horton and Thompson split out. I think Thompson was a recruit, a transfer that is going to be more impactful in the pass catching game. I think Signetti saw that they were lacking with wide receivers. And I, I think he went out and got Taylor Thompson, not as a tight end, but as a receiver. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Maybe yeah, I think he's going to yeah. gonna have a big receiving impact more so than than blocking. I kind of see Wright being the odd man out there, and we'll, we'll see. I think they could definitely use him in some blocking packages, but... Um, Horton impressed me last year. Horton I like Horton a, too a lot. I, I, that that that's why I'm saying like I think Thompson. It'll be maybe interesting more to receivery. see how it happens. Yeah, I think when they they're definitely I don't wouldn't expect them to be like let's run to Taylor Thompson's side. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I get that. I think it'll be interesting to see how he can hold up blocking wise because I do think his receiving ability and the fact that he was there in the spring and made a little bit of a connection were like. Um, probably honestly similar skill set, maybe a little bit slower, I would guess, compared to Elijah Surratt. But Surratt missed like most of the spring, so I don't know if if he'll be slower along in his development, which I think this year is way more interesting than last year with Virginia, Troy, Utah State, South Alabama. Like you kind of gotta go. Like you get the Bucknell, yeah. which is essentially a scrimmage, and then you kind of gotta get things rolling more last year. They sort of could have eased into it so i'm interested to see if like the spring chemistry matters or if like healthy surat in the the fall just becomes like hey we don't need tight ends because we have a six four six five guy but i also wonder and this is a lot of us just pontificating i think that's the right word there but like and i'm not comparing him to kelsey or gronk by any means like but what i'm going you know how kelsey doesn't typically line up as a tight end over yes. the tackle. He kind yeah. of lines out a little bit. I, I would be shocked if they if they use Thompson not like that. And I know that was a convoluted way to say. I, I expect them to use Thompson when he's in kind of similar to that of what a Travis Kelsey has done in Andy Reid offenses. And they were able to do some stuff kind of similar to that with Riley Stapleton, which I'd be interested if, if that's almost a little bit of a comp too, where it's like, hey, big receiver, because Riley Stapleton was not that fast. Yeah, who can just sort of move around. You stick him in the slot, but he's giant. Makes it interesting and then kind of sets up for some of the, like a guy like Phoenix Sproles to to get loose on the outside and Reggie Brown yeah. and kind of stuff. And we talk about how Signetti doesn't use tight ends all that much in his offensive passing attacks. Stapleton, Dylan Stapleton, did get 35 catches. Probably depends on, I guess he was one of the most, maybe the most talented pass catcher they've had at tight end, right? I would argue that he's the only one to get an NFL invite. Yeah. So that's, um, that's an interesting one to monitor. I'm interested. We kind of always are right. in what they do with the tight ends, but it's, yeah. they've got, got a couple guys this year that are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, two other impact guys I have on the defensive side, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Bush and Travell Mullen Bush more so because he just adds really needed depth after Uku left, but I think he'll be really good. And, and, and a Sunbelt yeah. theft is always fun to watch. Can't see really any situation where the 6'1", 309-pound <laughs> defensive tackle who, like, contributed at Marshall doesn't play, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a, a like, good one where it's like he's the biggest in one of the more, maybe not more experienced, but he's got playing time and he's huge. James Carpenter was a fantastic nose tackle, and there was no one really behind him. 
Yes. Bush is now behind him and maybe competing for first billing on the two deep. It just makes him so much, I think, more dangerous. And I know last year I was complaining about the size and then James Carpenter would take on like double teams at like yeah. 275 <laughs> in the middle. So <laughs> maybe some of that is overblown. But it, it's kind of nice, I think, to have a huge guy, especially when you're playing these Sunbelt teams or getting better at recruiting. You're playing like a Power 5 team-ish in UVA um, <laughs> that has that has some size. But like UVA, like their offensive line is kind of a weakness. But some of these other teams – have some good lines like app state's known for having a pretty solid offensive line when you can have big time defensive linemen who can make an impact and not just like these edge guys but huge guys in the middle it it makes a big difference so he was a big addition i think that is probably way under the radar he might not have like i'm not expecting like a 12 sack season but the kind of guy that can hold his own in the middle which is huge so yeah he's a, a great pick for a defensive contributor and travel mullen another impact guy we know what Chauncey Logan can do. We know kind of the hype around Brent Austin that this coaching staff has. But Mullen comes in with a, a pretty great pedigree. Four-star recruit, went to Indiana, and now is coming to JMU to slot into a secondary where he can break into that starting lineup pretty quickly and I think make a really good impact on this team. So I'm, I'm hype about Travell Mullen. That seemed like a big one to, to get a guy that was like really highly recruited. I think Indiana fans were pretty bummed from what I saw that he mm-hmm. decided to leave. So excited about that one. He's obviously got a lot of, a lot of talent coming out of high school. He's been working hard the way he sort of talks to the media and on Twitter and stuff where he's like, he seems like somebody who wants to start like immediately. He's got four years left. They've added guys before who have like four years left. And they like slowly develop. He kind of has been talking about like it's my time now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I'm, a, I'm a guy. So that'll be interesting because he joins a team that has like Chauncey Logan and Brent Austin, who I don't think lack confidence if they can start like this early in their career. It's it's an exciting group, and then even like like Devin Coles at the end of last season, yes. the Norfolk State transfer was playing with an kind of Jimmy Moreland like, where like he'd get burned and then he would go out and like make a you know, force a fumble, have an interception, make a huge play. So I don't know. That group seems like one that I was worried about coming into the off season. And now I feel not totally confident, but, but more confident than they did maybe a few months ago. I honestly feel totally confident with them. Cause I think everyone was playing a step above their weight class. Mm-hmm. Like Chauncey was playing cornerback one. I, I think Chauncey can get there and he may be a cornerback one, but now Mullen comes in. He could be the CB1. He could be the CB2 and kind of slot in. I think Brent Austin was playing a little bit above his weight class, going to that cornerback two spot that was having to cover the second-best receiver. Even Devin Cole, he was getting burned. He could make the huge plays, but maybe was punching up a little bit. And now that you have that third guy, everyone can slot in where they're supposed to be. And I'm really excited about that. Add in what an offseason does for all of them. A full year in the program, you would assume there's some sort of development that is going to happen. I'm really, really excited for the secondary. I might be more excited for the secondary with the addition of Travell Mullen than I am the front seven. That's interesting. I like that. So here's a question for you. Nakai Meredith, NC State transfer, Antoine Booth, Michigan State transfer, who came in the last year. I don't think got a ton of run last year, if, if yeah. any, maybe on special teams a little bit. We were excited about them, both sort of highly recruited power five guys, similar to Mullen. Yeah. 
where do they fit in? Do you think they've got a chance with another year of development to to break through and, and be in there? Or are they sort of like on the three deep? I think they're on the three deep. But the way – I wouldn't be surprised if they get a good amount of – one of them will be vying for that CB4 role where you're playing – like because I think a lot of these Sunbelt teams are going to be playing three, four wide receiver sets. And I think they'll, I think they'll get some good PT. I hope so. I think those are interesting. And the way they play with like the three safeties and stuff, like mm-hmm. the way the Signetti defenses are, maybe kind of one of them can slot in and and maybe convert to that safety role and play that and bring forward one of the safeties to play the spur or whatever they do, whatever they call them. Yeah. No, it's going to be an interesting defense because I feel like they're really deep on defensive line they're fairly deep at linebacker although i think we kind of know the two that are going to slot in but then the secondary's got a bunch of like safeties and corners and i'm like yeah those guys are all good <laughs> but you can, obviously you can only have so many people on the field at one time unless we run out sort of a 14 player defense which would be very tough to move the ball against but if they don't do that i wonder who the guys are and how flexible it is because like last year, they they were reasonably flexible, where they ran out some other guys, and then it was like Chauncey Logan. You're now cornerback one, basically, yeah. or cornerback two with Swan. So, a lot of pieces. Yeah. Another interesting transfer. So I'm out of impacts. So I'm into interesting. You already got Lawton for me. You got Thompson, Omarion Dolison, yeah. wide receiver from USF. He played his freshman year with McLeod's last year at South Florida. In that year, he had 272 yards, 21 catches, one touchdown. We talk about how they're kind of has they, they have to hit the ground running early on in this season because you have UVA, Utah State, South Alabama, Troy, like you have this gauntlet of a schedule early on. I don't know. I'm not of course we're not in the locker room. We're not talking with them every single day, but there could be some sort of like you're smiling and I, I don't know why you're smiling. Are you going to, are you judging this take already? No, I'm not judging the take, but like, I think there could be some sort of chemistry there between McLeod and Dolison early on uh, that kind of bring, maybe pushes Omarion Dolison up a few rungs in that too deep earlier than he may have. If, you know, I don't know, maybe Alonzo Barnett starts. Right. He gives me some, uh, some Terrence Green vibes a little bit. I think they're different players. I think he's probably more of a speedster burner. But last year, I felt like it was really funny, almost funny, watching Terrence Green play. Because it would be like he would go a game and he wouldn't make a catch or he'd make a catch for like six yards. Wouldn't Didn't do anything to start the season. And then he catches <laughs> a massive deep ball touchdown against App State in the comeback. Like just <laughs> huge. Had another touchdown catch, his other touchdown catch against Georgia Southern and had a breakout game. Like he was not catching a lot of balls, but his his average yards per catch was was probably hilarious, whatever it was, 18. So <laughs> I mean, like, that's the kind of thing I think Dawson could do where it's he might not catch like 14 balls a game or over a two game span, but I think he gives him a big play speed threat that's super valuable. So I like that one if he can become kind of consistent in terms of catching certain number or certain volume per game that'd be huge but yeah he gives him one of the i feel like one of the better deep ball threats i think reggie brown's a decent deep ball threat as well but pretty excited about that addition 
For sure. And that's all I have. The other one I'm excited about that, that he has one catch in his career is uh, Taji Hudson, the um, <laughs> the East Carolina transfer. He's 6'4", 205, super good athlete. So he was he was playing quarterback in high school, and UVA and Coastal recruited him. Super good quarterback. They move him to wide receiver. He played <laughs> like played sparingly, but he played the bowl game, had one nice catch, only catch of his career. How many but he yards? blocked like a – monster and was like very willing to block at wide receiver i he's one that was fascinating where he comes into a loaded room and all of his comments are like yeah i'm just gonna do like literally anything it takes to play like i'll, <laughs> I'll do anything like i'll play special teams i will block i'll do anything i'm excited to see how in a room of it's like what the receiver room feels like it's like eight guys and it's like everyone except reggie brown is like not locked into a spot I would argue like, Reggie Brown isn't even locked into his spot. Probably, yeah. If, if you like, outplay Reggie, do Brown. you feel comfortable? And I don't mean this as a slight to Reggie Brown. I think he's it, the. It, I think he's the one. But are you comfortable with him as the one? I like him a lot, so I would feel good. But okay. I do think, yeah, it's like if you outplay him, certainly he's not like a. It's not like Juice Wells, who we all called Juice when he was here and didn't start adding that nickname once he went to South Carolina. Juice Wells. It's not like Chris Thornton. Like it, it, there is no like this is the guy in the wide receiver room coming into this year. Reggie Brown hate. That's Reggie Brown hate right there. Look, Reggie Brown doesn't have a cool nickname like Smoothie or Juice, <laughs> whatever they call him. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited about Hudson because he he seems interesting with that frame, athleticism. It's going to be hard for him to get playing time. It's hard to be like to transfer in have played, you know, have caught one ball your college career and be like, yeah, I'm going to go beat out Phoenix Sproles or something like that. <laughs> or even Surratt, who had a great, great freshman season at the FCS level and is very talented and has some good size himself. But I'm interested with the fact that Hudson just seemed like a mauler as a blocker, can make some plays. I don't know. I think it's going to be a wide-open competition. At the very least, like if you're in camp against that guy, it's going to be annoying. Like if you're you're getting the wide receiver two role, it's gonna be super annoying when the guy just like on the hundred degree August days like won't stop blocking well. I think that'll be super annoying and, and create some fun competition at the spot. I do love how this team is so sure in the trenches and linebacker and maybe quarterback. I'll say quarterback, quarterback and running back. And then you get like the secondary and wide receivers, and it's like they have guys. That's all we know. They have they have guys. Right. Who's where? No idea. But like they got dudes that should be good. That's that's what it feels like. And then again, you got still got like Troy Lewis who had a good spring, former ECU transfer. It's like where's he fit in? I, the fall camp's gonna be fascinating because they got a lot of guys. I don't know. I don't know how many like true freshmen they even added in, but. I don't, I don't know about thing. you. That four man quarterback battle is gonna be really interesting to watch. And right, can you develop chemistry with with you know Brett Griffiths and, and Billy Atkins? <laughs> When they're not uh, getting any reps in practice. And Jack Fitzpatrick, because I'll be thrown into the quarterback (laughs) competition eventually. You show up to practice, you're you're given an opportunity to do the job. And that's all I ask, you know, it's just an opportunity. But I'm excited. I'm excited about this team. I thought they, I would say, probably a net win in the transfer portal. I would would say a net win, but very close, because that Uku loss takes away a lot of points. It definitely hurts. Like they didn't hit a home run, but they hit a lot of doubles and singles, and yeah. then they they allowed a home run. Yeah, the Uku one's tough. He's good. 
It's pretty cool, though, in back-to-back years, they have guys going to the SEC from the defense. It's also hard to um, tell in the moment. Like when, he was, like, when he plays for JMU, it's like, yeah, I know that Isaac Ukwu's good. I don't know that when he enters the portal, he'll have, like, 10 SEC offers in, like, 30 minutes. Same with Tucker Dorsey. It was just like, Tucker Dorsey's really good. And then he, he the- enters, and it's just – or I guess technically they didn't have a – defensive player go to the sec last year because texas is still in the big 12 but like all of a sudden you're like oh he's good well it's like the athletic is like he's the number one transfer in the portal and i'm like he's the what (laughs) (laughs) oh what (laughs) (laughs) it's just crazy that's the other thing that's that's wild it's like there's guys in the roster who are definitely really good that we don't even like totally know about like with Jalen Walker, we didn't know that much, and yes, like Tucker Dorsey transfers and Kirsten Day's like tweeting out pictures of Jalen Walker. He's like, <laughs> "Oh my god, <laughs> this is gonna be amazing, you guys!" I don't even it, know. <laughs> I, and it was also I know Uku, like you're saying the same thing. I know Uku was good, uh-huh. but there would be times in games where like. Kamara would jump off the screen. Yes, that's forget what I'm saying. Uku was on the line, and you're like, and all of a sudden they're like. He has the potential to impact any SEC school's front defensive line. And you're like, um, does he? Because I thought at times Sunbelt defensive lines blocked him out of games. That's wild. But he was very good. I mean, he had what, double-digit sacks last year? Yeah, I think so. And then you listen to— As the best guy. You listen to off-season content, though, which I I love to do. And you see, like, some of the UVA coverage, and they're like— yeah, like UVA's got a better roster. I'm like, do they? <laughs> I don't think they do. We'll, no, we'll I don't get into they... the week week two preview. I don't even know if we're going to do a Bucknell preview or if we yeah, might we'll just make it a so Bucknell UVA coverage. UVA coverage. But, like, I think JMU has the better quarterback if it's Barnett or if it's McLeod. Like, I, I think, think so regardless, too. they have the better quarterback. I think they have a better running back room. Um, I think they have a better wide receiver. Mm. I, I don't know enough about UVA receivers. No, like, I think they're better, like most positions. And that's the other thing is like there's guys on this roster that if they entered the portal, they would get a bunch of like SEC looks. It's like they're loaded. And then UVA would enter the portal and they would become uh, real estate agents in Charlottesville, Virginia. They've got some, we've got some guys. Got some guys. Well, for Ben and Conlon, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.